0: Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors at our Norton campus. And as, uh, as always, it's uh, great to be with you as we continue this series of Jesus in Between. Uh, I hope that you had a great 4th of July. Um, it was hot, wasn't it? Hot and, and wet and hot and wet and hot. That's how it was down in our area. Um, but we just, we had a great 4th uh, just celebrating uh, really God's blessing. I, I see uh, July 4th as being kind of a double blessing for those who are followers of Jesus because not only uh, do we have our American freedom, which allows us to, to meet like this and, and uh, worship together like we are this morning, but also we have our freedom that's found only in Jesus Christ. And so we're doubly blessed in, in that way when we think about Uh, The issues of of freedom, and uh, I hope we never take that for granted. Um, It's easy to do, though, isn't it? And so I appreciate that time that we have to celebrate uh, just the freedom we have to, uh, to come together like this this morning. But it's also a time of year, uh, as you're driving down the street, that you see all the churches have out their VBS signs and Bible camp signs. And everybody uh, has these different themes and things going on. I know I uh, I grew up in church, and so every summer we went to vacation Bible school. But I wonder, like, who came up with that name, vacation Bible school? Because really, vacation and school... It's kind of an oxymoron, you know, they, they don't belong together. Uh, but in a couple of weeks, we're going to be having Bible Camp, which is uh, sort of like Vacation Bible School, but uh, it's a Bible Camp. And so you can see sporting the new new shirt for the, this year, but um, I'm excited because Bible Camp is always one of the most exciting and exhausting weeks of the year, <laughs> And, uh, but it's just so much fun as the kids come in. They're excited. They're wound up. They're ready to go. It's fun to talk to them, to meet them, to greet them, and then I just love the energy um, Bible camp week brings. As you know, the, the 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 building is pulsating with the energy and excitement of the kids, but also the music, and it's just a fun week. Kids can be a lot of fun. Um, they also have incredible memories. Uh, one of the things that I do at our Norton campus is I do our kind of our mission project, uh, who we're going to help, uh, that the offering goes to, and so dress up in character. A couple years ago, I dressed up like a corn cob, and uh, my name was Colonel Cobb, and I would tell these really corny jokes, and most of the kids didn't get them. But that's a great thing about kids—they laugh anyway, and so you know whether it's funny or not or whatever you know they're they're laughing and they think it's great and and that was a couple years ago you know even to this day there's one little boy I'll be standing in the hallway on a Sunday morning or something and he'll come running up to me and he'll look at me I was like hey corn man (laughs) and just run away laughing you know and, and giggling and this and that it's great I I love it um If it's for the kids and it gets them excited, I'm I'm all in. And so this morning, Bible Camp makes even more powerful this little part of the Bible that I want us to walk through this morning as we talk about Jesus in between. You think, well, Jesus in between what? Well, Jesus in between Christmas and Easter the life of Jesus, the life that he lived every day. Who did he he spend time with? What were his passions? What was he like? What did he do? What did he say? You see, the thing I love about this series and going through all of these different stories is I love how Jesus came alongside those who were marginalized in his culture. The poor, the sick, even men and women in that culture were, were often cast aside as an, an inferior or uh, not as important. The religious people were often surprised that Jesus hung out with those tax collectors and sinners. But Jesus specifically and practically showed love, gave hope, offered compassion, and displayed honor to those who were often dishonored and left on the margins of society. Jesus lived counterculture, and he demonstrated that every person is precious and valuable in his eyes. And we see this clearly in Mark chapter 10, and that's where we're going to be if you want to grab your copy of the Bible or grab one from the front or your device. Mark chapter 10, Jesus is mingling with the crowds. And so by the time we get to this point, Jesus is teaching the large crowds, and he's being tested by the religious leaders of the day. He's in large demand. He has important things to say. He has important things to do. He has important places to go. And at this point in his ministry, each day brings him closer to his trial and crucifixion. It's in that context we read these words in Mark 10, verse 13 people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them but the disciples rebuked them when Jesus saw this he was indignant now I want us to just kind of set the scene here because I want you to think about you have all these parents in this big long line they're chatting and they're talking about things they're excited to go meet Jesus And not only that, they have their kids with them, and their kids are running around and playing in the dirt and chasing each other, and and some of them are holding babies, and they can't wait to get their children and bring them to Jesus. And so imagine all this excitement, all this noise, all this commotion going on. The parents are excited, anticipating this, this time. It's just this joyous, exciting atmosphere. And it's interesting, it was in keeping with Jewish custom that it went all the way back to the beginning of the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel, that giving blessings was, was very proper, it was traditional, it was meaningful. And so these parents are bringing their kids to get, to get a blessing from the rabbi, the teacher, Jesus. But not everyone was excited. As the disciples, they, they stand and they watch what's going on. They watch these children, these parents bringing children to the Jesus. They're just like, oh, come on. He's got more important things to do. Why are they wasting his time like this? And they become frustrated and agitated. He's got more important things to do. And see, I think they thought they were doing they were doing what was best for Jesus. They were protecting Jesus. They had seen the stress and strain of ministry. These kids were just another drain on Jesus. And so they begin to rebuke, is the word it uses, rebuke these parents and families for taking Jesus' time and bringing their kids. And so at one point, the disciples are like, they, they, they step up to the line and they're like, just you know, stop the line, it ends here. No more blessings today, folks. Go home, shalom, and take your strollers. And meanwhile... While all this is going on, Jesus is picking up small children and holding them and blessing them. In fact, the gospel of Luke tells us they were babies. They were bringing their babies, and so he picks up these babies and young children and and places his hand on their soft heads and pronounces blessing upon them and, and enjoys every minute of it. So, as he's doing this and he sees this commotion over here with the disciples, he's like, he became aware that the disciples are dismissing the parents. The text says that he was indignant. Well, it's, it's fascinating. The only place this, world, this word appears in the whole New Testament is right here. And it's really the combination of two words, much and to grieve. In other words, Jesus was much grieved by what his disciples were doing now if you remember grief and anger are rooted in love when something obstructs or diminishes what we love we grieve we we get angry so what does that what does that mean here it shows us just how much jesus loved these children and families You see, what we grieve and what we get angry about reveals what kind of people we are and and what we value and what we love. So what Jesus says and does here reveals a lot about him and how much he valued children. And so Jesus responds, let the children, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. So here we see Jesus rebukes the rebukers. And his orders are redundant for emphasis. Let them come. Don't stop them. Let them come. And you see, at that moment, the disciples were serving more as barriers than bridges to Jesus. Jesus is going to put a stop to it because Jesus is always rooting for the underdog, coming alongside the marginalized, restoring hope and life. And so Jesus says, keep them coming. Don't stop them. It's like, well, okay, well, that's, that's all very interesting. <laughs> so what's this story about? What's going on here? Is this simply a story that, that Jesus was nice to kids, and so we ought to be nice to kids too? Well, sometimes this passage is taught in that way, that this is kind of the conclusion. The, the parents wanted a blessing, the disciples were jerks, Jesus was nice to kids, therefore, don't be a jerk, be nice to kids. Amen. Now, there's some truth to that. Jesus is, is nice to children, and we should be nice to children. It's why when a, when a child comes up to me and, and begins to talk to me, that I don't just, like, stare over him, but I get down on his level. And I talk to him face to face. Otherwise, I'm towering over him, but in this way, I can engage him face to face. I can talk to him. I can see his or her eyes. In fact, when I, I used to coach soccer and you know, these little kids, eight-year-olds, they'd come off the field. I'd get down and it's like, good job, buddy. Encourage them face yeah, to face. Yeah, ni- we need to be nice. We need to value kids. And sometimes that means getting down on, on their level. All those things are true, but there's more going on here because not only Mark records the story, but Matthew and Luke record it as well, so it's pretty important. Was there a point simply to let us know that Jesus is nice to kids? No. We go back to Mark. Jesus said to them, Let the children little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. This is a pretty strong statement. Jesus is making clear there's a lot more going on here than a story about him being nice to kids. Because I think he's instructing us on at least two things that we want to look at this morning. The first is, be like a child. The second is, bring children to Jesus. Let's start with the first. Only those who become like little children can receive the blessing of salvation. So is Jesus saying, "Wow, you just need to be cute and cuddly and adorable like little kids? Is he saying that we need to be innocent like little children? Now, kids are cute and adorable, and and, and some of us could work on that a little, (laughs) The kids are hardly innocent. As babies, they, they always want their own way, right? They're demanding. They're self-important. It's about me. you know, Provide for me. Make me feel comfortable. And then they become toddlers. I recently came across uh, these property laws for toddlers that I think gives us a clear picture. There's 10 property laws for toddlers. Number one, if I like it, it's mine. Number 2, if it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. Number 6, if I'm building something, all the pieces are mine. <laughs> if it looks <clears throat> if it looks just like mine, it is mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're using something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. Number 10, if it's broken, it's yours. (laughs) It gives us kind of a clear picture of the way a toddler thinks, right? So if Jesus isn't saying that we're to be innocent like a toddler, what is Jesus saying? I think one way to summarize what Jesus' first statement is, is there's almost like there's a sign on the gates of God's kingdom reading, no grown-up attitudes past this point. Now, Jesus isn't rejecting adulthood. He's rejecting the self-sufficiency and pride and denial and self-deception that we learn after years of practice living in this world. And at the root of true maturity is is simplification, not sophistication. In other words, only the weak, the humble, and the helpless can receive the blessing of salvation. You see, Jesus says in verse 15, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it see, the kingdom of God has several aspects, but here Jesus is referring to the kingdom in which he rules over our lives. He rules over our hearts. The kingdom of God involves us turning from sin and the ways of this world and living under the rule of King Jesus. With the desire to become more and more like him, it's a gift that that saves us. And so to receive the kingdom of God like a child means we come to God as people who are helpless, recognizing our inability to save ourselves and our, and our need to receive God's gift of grace and love. You see, I remember as a little kid somehow, and I can't remember how old I was, but I ended up at a men's retreat in the middle of winter. Uh, went with my dad, and, and these guys were a little crazy, and so they decided to take a, a midnight hike, which is, you don't take flashlights, you just go out in the woods and hike in the snow, and, and one of the places that we hiked was along this river, and along this river was this icy shale cliff, and you, you kind of had to make your way across this icy shale cliff that, that went right down into the Grand River which was almost covered in in ice, overflowing his banks. As a little kid, it scared me half to death. That cliff looked huge. That water down there looked menacing. And so I grabbed hold of my dad with my little hands. I grabbed hold of his coat. But my little hands, my little fingers weren't strong enough, weren't powerful enough to to, to hold on to him that that I felt safe. But you know what did help me across there and did make me feel safe? Was my trust in my dad and his firm grip on me. That's just like Jesus. That's just like God. You see, children, the first thing, one of the things we learn about children is children know how to trust fully. When we come to God like children, we're putting our full trust in him, and it's his grip on us that saves us. It's by his grace, because of his love and his power, that we receive the blessings of the kingdom from the king, and as children, we receive it freely. Because salvation is received, not achieved. Romans 6.23 says it this way, For the wages of sin, the debt that we owe, that we cannot repay, is death. I'm so thankful that it continues. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, salvation isn't a right to be claimed. It's uh, it's not a reward to be earned. It's a gift to be received. And as children, we know how to receive gifts. As adults, just like a helpless child, we need to recognize our condition, our helplessness, our inability, our need for God. As adults, we need to receive God's gift like a child. That's how we receive the kingdom, like a child. We come open-handed, trusting that the God of the universe will provide what we need most, a relationship with Him. We're completely dependent on Him to save us. And not only do children know how to trust fully, children know how to receive a gift. <laughs> they simply take it. <laughs> now, the first time they sit there and you put the, the, put the package in front of them and they're like, oh, what's this? And you kind of have to rip the paper for them and then they kind of get a hold of it. By age three... <laughs> You don't even get the gift on the floor. They're grabbing it. They're taking it. They're ripping it open. They know how to receive a gift because children are really into receiving gifts. One writer says it like this. A little child takes its food, its parents' love and protection because they are given without, <clears throat> they are given without beginning to think of whether they deserve them. Or whether they are important enough to merit such attention. So must we all receive God's kingdom and enter into it. In Matthew 18, we read this interaction the disciples had with Jesus. It says at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And I read that, I was like, we're having this conversation again. Jesus called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus places a child in the middle of the disciples as an example, as a demonstration, an illustration. And Jesus says, become like this little child. See, Jesus knew we could learn a lot from children. I read a book many, many years ago. Some of you might remember it because the title's intriguing, but it's All I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten by Robert Fulgham. I think we can learn a lot of things from kids. Here's a portion of what he wrote. He says, All I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sand pile at Sunday school. These are the things I learned. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. (laughs) Don't, Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. (laughs) Warm cookies and milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day some. When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands and stick together. Goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even the the little seed in the styrofoam cup, they all die. So do we. Everything you need to know is in there somewhere. The golden rule and love and basic sanitation, ecology and politics and equality and sane living. Think what a better world it would be if we all, the whole world, had cookies and milk about three o'clock every afternoon. Or if all governments had a basic policy to always put things back where they found them and to clean up their own mess. And it's still true, no matter how old you are, when you go out into the world, it's best to hold hands and stick together. You see, I think we learn a lot from kids because as adults, sometimes we forget who we are. Sometimes we forget our place in the world and and what's really important. Kids, in their simplicity, remind us of these things. And so kids, children, one, another thing that we learn from kids is that children haven't built walls. We're, as adults, we're skilled wall builders. Difficult morning at home? Hide your stress with a smile. Your life is falling apart. Tell everyone, hey, I'm great. Everything's great. And we've Build barriers between ourselves and others. We keep people, we keep God at a distance. You see, most children haven't developed the ability to build walls. They wear their emotions on their sleeves. If they're angry, you know they're angry. If they're sad, you know they're sad. If they're happy, you know they're happy. And if there's any uncertainty about how they're feeling, they're probably going to tell you. (laughs) And I wonder how many times we've Approach God in prayer with protective walls built around our lives, built around our hearts, because our pride builds a wall that keeps God and others out. But to Jesus, our walls, those walls are paper thin. And so as our walls come down, as we turn to God, as we become vulnerable and, and lean onto Him, like infants relying on their mothers, We no longer rest in our self-sufficiency. We cling to an all-sufficient God, knowing that apart apart from Him, we can do nothing. Children teach us that you don't have to be perfect to be loved. In fact, you don't have to be perfect to be perfectly loved by God. All the complicated mental gymnastics adults use to avoid facing truth takes us further from the kingdom. The person who comes to Jesus in simple humility and recognizing Jesus' greatness and, and our own inability is the greatest in God's kingdom. Because the person enters the kingdom by grace and serves others. Another thing we learn is children view the world with awe. I remember uh, when my kids were little, how they how excited they were about everything. I'd go out on the lawn, and, and there would be a toad, and I would pick it up, and I'd bring it to us. I was like, oh, ah, a toad! Woo! It was so exciting. They were learning this is God's creation, and, and this is this unique thing. And, and today, I'm like, oh, there's a toad. <laughs> it's like, what happened? What happened to the wonder and awe and of creation? You see, as we grow up and and see screens in every direction, our wonder is often replaced with dullness. And distracted, we lose the ability to view the world with a personal sense of awe and wonder. You see, just like we did this morning, worship is a reminder to look at Jesus with fresh, undistracted eyes. To keep our vision of Him clear. And so when we see God's creation clearly displayed in vivid colors on the horizon, when we're reminded of God's love for us as his children, when we learn a new truth about him, our our eyes need open to the wonder and the awe of those moments. Like children seeing something for the first time and, and being excited, may our hearts be encouraged and uplifted because we see Jesus in those moments. And we realize all that we have in him. The last thing in this part is children see the Father as he is and want to be like him. See, God made us to know him and and to imitate him. I was thinking about this. I I remember the day I walked into one of my kids' rooms and he had a book open and he was preaching to his brother. Uh, He was imitating dad. It was was actually a little humbling to know that my son had watched his dad and, and was imitating him. You see, because little kids, they start out life like, dad is awesome. My dad's the best dad. My mom is the best mom. I want to be just like them when I grow up. love kids love to be around mom and dad they love to imitate them and paul writes in ephesians chapter 5 follow god's example therefore as dearly loved children because we know we're dearly loved by god we we look up to him we adore him we want to please him we want to be like him his love motivates us to love his grace motivates us to extend forgiveness and mercy to others. We love because he first loved us. And so as we think about all these things that we learn from children, if children are the picture of the person who receives salvation, it only stands to reason that children ought to be a priority investment. We need to bring, peop- we need to bring kids, children to Jesus. The point is, we need to do all we can to bring all children to Jesus. We go back to verse 13, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them and bless them. The idea here is that parents were continuously bringing their kids to Jesus, wanting Jesus to connect with them. I personally think that this, this little story inspires us to bring our children to Jesus as early as possible. You think about it. If being like a child is a picture or illustration for those who receive the blessing of salvation, then doesn't it stand the reason that the best time to introduce someone to the good news of Jesus, the gospel, is when they're a child? They are never more like a child than when they're a child. <laughs> and they're never more ready to hear the good news of the gospel than when they're a child. I mean, listen to to these statistics. Eighty-three percent of those who are following Jesus started before age 13. Children develop their worldview by age nine. And with children, you you can often define the truth. But with adults, you have to first redefine and deconstruct, and then you have to reconstruct and, and, and define. Our focus must be to bring kids to Jesus as early as possible, to not be barriers but bridges to bring them to Jesus. Well, how do we do that effectively? Well, one, it starts with parents. Parents, do all you can to bring your kids to Jesus. I don't know how many conversations I've had where I've heard parents say, well, now nah, I, didn't, I didn't bring my kids to church, didn't talk to them about Jesus. I wanted them to, the, to decide about their faith on their own. You know, you don't have to force religion on your kids. In fact, it's best if you don't. But at least give them a foundation to make an informed decision. A vacuum teaches them nothing. It's like going out in your backyard and and, and plowing a plot of land and doing nothing and expecting a garden. Give them Bible stories. Take them to church. But maybe most importantly, live out your faith in front of them. Show them how to walk with Jesus. Show them what it means to follow Jesus every day. And whether a parent or grandparent or someone who works with or around kids, God gives us instructions on how to train our children. It's extremely important for us to understand because every time a parent interacts with a child, there's two sinners in the room. In fact, Proverbs 22, 15 says, A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness. That being said, the heart of a child needs redirected, it needs guided into God's truth. We'll sacrifice time and money to help our kids excel in music and sports and other activities. Are we just as concerned that Jesus makes sense to them by exposing them to God's truth? When parents walk with God, they give their children a heritage that will enrich their lives. Godliness puts beauty and protection in the home. We read in Proverbs again, He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. See, the parents in our story were taking their kids to Jesus to receive his blessing. It's one of our greatest privileges as parents. It's our greatest priority to bring our kids to Jesus. We are the missionaries, the primary missionary in their lives. But it's interesting to note that the words used to describe the people bringing the kids are all masculine. And it makes it kind of made me wonder. And then I, I read a guy that suggested that this wasn't simply a bunch of moms carrying their kids to Jesus. Dads were bringing their kids to Jesus. In light of this, here's some more s- sobering statistics According to the data collected by Promise Keepers and Baptist Press, if a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. If a father does go regularly, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will continue to attend church as adults. If a mother does not go to church but a father does... A minimum of two thirds of their children will end up continuing to attend church. In contrast, if a father does not go to church but the mother does, on average, two thirds of their children will not attend church. I don't know about you, but that's pretty sobering. (laughs) Guys, it's not just the woman's job to teach and invest in our kids. We need more guys investing in children as dads being present in their kids' lives, as being volunteers and power kids. We need more men and power kids, more men in, excuse me, volunteering at Bible camp. I, I know it's not for everyone, but pray about it. We have a responsibility to bring our kids to Jesus, that model what it means to live that out in everyday life. So I just want to, take a, I want to take just a few seconds here. I'm going to ask all our parents, guardians of kids 18 and under, if you would just stand for me. So I'd like to pray for you this morning. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for the picture that you give us. You love children. You love the children that, that we're guiding, that we're directing. Father, help us as, as parents, as guardians, to, to, to redirect and guide their hearts to Jesus. Because Father, it's hard. In the current culture that we live in, Father, is extremely difficult. And so, Father, I pray for these parents, give them wisdom, give them insight, give them discernment on how to to raise their kids, to be an influence to Jesus in the way that they live, in the way that they talk at home. And, Father, that you would also just bring them encouragement on some of those days where we're just pulling our hair out. Father, give us patience and to to show love in those moments and, and to redirect their hearts in a way that they follow you and follow your truth. Father, I pray for these parents and guardians today that, Father, you would encourage them, keep them to stand firm in pointing their kids and bringing their children to Jesus. Father, we lean into you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can be seated. I want to go, just a <clears throat> little time left here, I'll go a little bit broader. I want to talk as a, as a church. Do all you can to bring kids who come to church to Jesus. It's unfortunate that something that's so important could get so messed up at church. I've heard too many stories of churches not being a a welcoming place for children and kids because the building took priority over the inevitable messes that kids make. And as I was thinking about this this week, I'm so thankful that even though myself and my my brothers broke our fair share of windows at the church church building, (laughs) I was the youngest of three boys and our youth group was all boys and one girl, we made messes. We were crazy, but I'm so thankful that my parents and the leaders of the church didn't make it a bigger deal than it had to be. If we're more concerned about stains in the carpet, then we've missed the point. If we're more concerned about them than we are about bringing kids to Jesus, we've got our priorities messed up. We're to be bridges to Jesus, not barriers. You see, the disciples didn't want Jesus to be bothered by kids, but Jesus was much grieved by his disciples and the fact that they were missing the opportunity to serve these kids, to serve these parents. D.L. Moody, a famous preacher, once returned from a preaching opportunity, and he said, hey, two and a half people gave their lives to Jesus tonight. Two and a half people said yes to Jesus, and and then the person he was talking to said, oh, you mean like two adults and a child? And Moody said, no, two children and an adult. (laughs) And he went on to say the children gave their whole lives. The adult had only half of his left to give. You know, I think it's sobering, but also funny. It illustrates how we often think of kids as less than a person. And yet they have their whole lives to give. That's why one of our values here at Grace Church is we are fully committed to kids and students. We unapologetically devote major resources and energy towards shaping a God-centered worldview during a person's prime developmental years. You see, children represent our greatest and most ripe harvest field for the gospel. And we believe that kids and students are small enough to believe that God is big enough. All through the Bible, God used young people to accomplish amazing, huge things. God took a teenager sold into slavery by his own brothers and prepared him to eventually deliver his people, an entire nation, from famine and depression and be a picture of the grace and sovereignty of God. A whole army was paralyzed by one giant champion, and God used a young boy named David who was just crazy enough to believe that God was big enough. God chose young men like Daniel and his friends to to stand alone in the middle of hostility, in the middle of captivity when there was pressure to cave. God used a young girl to carry his son Jesus. See, we need to do all we can, by all means to be bridges, not barriers. That means we're not going to ignore them, but we're not going to idolize them either, but we will invest in them. In fact, Matthew 18, 5, Jesus said, And whoever welcomes one child in my name welcomes me. In the very next verse, he strongly advocates for protection of children. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus specifies that these children are among those who believe in me. That plainly excuse me, that plainly indicates that children can believe in Jesus, and if they can believe in Jesus, then we must bring them to Jesus and, and not cause them to stumble by failing to welcome them, by failing to encourage them, by failing to provide and protect for them mentally, physically, spiritually. We have to do everything we can to bring children to Jesus. So we have a Bible camp coming up here in a few weeks. If uh, you're a volunteer with Power Power Kids or Bible Camp or student ministries, I'm just going to ask you to stand. I want to pray for you. If you volunteer with students and kids and children, let's pray. Father, thank you for how much you value kids. Father, help us as a church. To welcome and encourage and value these kids as well. Father, help us to love them as you have loved us, that we might live to make Jesus make sense. And as a church, that we might be a place where kids feel welcomed, where they feel loved and accepted and safe. Father, I thank you for these volunteers. I thank you for what they do in Power Kids and Bible Camp. And, and sometimes it's, it's inconvenient. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's hard. And so, Father, I pray that you would, <clears throat> again, just encourage their hearts and encourage them and, and help them, Lord, remind them of the bigger picture at stake, the lives of these children. Father, continue, just give them wisdom as they lead and direct. We pray these in Jesus, pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Finally, you see, all kids matter to God. Invest in them. And so for every one of us, let's all of us do all we can to bring all kids to Jesus. Notice I said all. (laughs) All means all, and that's all all means. Every kid. It's like, wait, (laughs) what about difficult kids? What about kids who are different? What about kids with challenges, kids who are different than our kids? You know what? We we need them here. My mama led a... A Children's Bible Club after school for about 26, 27 years. The stories she could tell would break your heart. Stories of kids coming to school high because they're inhaling the smoke from their parents. Kids who've never even heard, like, Jesus, who's Jesus? What? Who is this guy? Coming from difficult situations, kids who need love Kids just kids from the neighborhood, some of them were some of them were downright crazy. <laughs> Even those kids. You see, because all kids matter to God. Not just the kids who are here every week, not just the kids who who color inside the lines, not just the kids who are easy to to, to manage and easy to be around. Because all children matter to God. Even unborn kids matter to God. You know, it's so like Jesus to love children, to get down on their level and to welcome them and and to care for them and, and to love them and embrace them, to see them as valuable in His kingdom. It's just like Jesus to, to become much grieved at those who would mistreat them, ignore them, cast them to the side. You see, this little story matters. It matters for us. It matters for parents. It, it matters as a church. It matters for all of us. It matters for these kids. And so I'm going to ask everyone to stand, and if you would, grab. Uh, grab. You should have received one of these in your, in your program. Just ask you the, the grab that. <clears throat> you can stand, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to encourage you. Uh, don't let this don't let this get tucked in your Bible and forgotten. Don't let it get tossed in your car or in the trash. I encourage you. Think about someone you can give this to. Maybe it's a. Maybe it's the neighbor with the, the crazy kids who keep running into your yard and messing up the grass. <laughs> maybe it's a maybe it's a family member and their kids have never heard of the name Jesus. Just, would you pray about inviting kids and getting your kids uh, and getting your kids to to sign up for Bible camp so we can plan and prepare? Matthew, Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Let's pray.